Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Founder Podcast, where we help founders and business owners grow their companies from zero to 10 million. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. I'm a big believer that success translates across all areas of life, business, and sports. Today's episode is a great example of this. Coach Gene Heidkamp joins the podcast today to talk about building high-performance teams, creating a great culture, getting buy-in, how teams can be better than the individual talents, plus how paying attention to the details and trusting the process can lead to success. You may be asking, who is Gene Heidkamp? He is one of the most successful prep basketball coaches in the state of Illinois over the past decade or decade plus, and had the third winningest program to be exact. He has done this without having the most gifted athletes. In the 10 years, Bennett Academy actually had four players or only had four total players that went on to play D1 basketball with scholarships, where the other top programs had 30 plus D1 athletes. One program actually had 12 future D1 athletes on one roster. So just a summary, you know, the Bennett program had the third most wins in Illinois from 2010 to 2020, only trailing two national powerhouse programs. They averaged 25 wins during that span, always playing one of the toughest schedules, only program during that duration to have 20 plus wins each season and played in two state championship games and have won multiple in-season tournaments. I think his approach translates very well to startups, you know, small business and even organizations within, you know, large companies that are struggling to build high performance teams. We go deep on his philosophy, his strategy, and how he gets 18-year-olds to buy into to this approach. It was a fascinating conversation. Take notes. I took a lot of them, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. So at the end of this, please do make sure to visit our website where you can find the show notes plus the links mentioned with Coach Heidkamp. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe so you're always the first to know when a new episode is released. Now, let's get the interview started. Hey, good morning, Coach. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have the conversation. Uh, no, the pleasure is all mine. And as we were talking a little bit offline, the, the reason I really wanted to have you on the podcast is, is talk about building high-performance teams, culture, process, things that tend to get overlooked in our instant gratification lifestyle at times. But I did want to give just a little bit of a background to provide context for some of our listeners who are not from Illinois and understand high school basketball that you and the Bennett program have over, you have over 300 career wins and congrats on that, by the way. The Bennett program had the third most wins in Illinois, or at least in Northern Illinois from 2010 to 2020, trailing only two national powerhouses, which people may have heard, Simeon and Morgan Park. You averaged 25 wins during that span and always playing one of the toughest schedules, which we'll get into. I got some questions on that. The only program I believed to have 20 plus wins in each of those seasons. You know, also played in two state championship games and, and won multiple in-season tournaments during that span. But what I didn't mention, the one that really stands out to me, and, and coach, correct me if I'm wrong, I think during that time frame, you only had four kids that actually went on to play at, at D1. Is that right? Right. Uh, that is correct. Uh, our last Division One scholarship player was uh, in 2014. Uh, we do have we did have eight Division One walk-ons, which I think really speaks to the character of our kids, and I can talk more about that later. But as far as scholarship players, 
Uh, we had three three Division One uh, scholarship players in the last decade, which is which is fantastic. But then when you compare it to some of those other programs, Simeon Morgan Park, I think over that ten same ten year time frame, I lost count, but it's at least twenty, if not thirty or more of those kids went on to to play at D one schools. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that one Simeon team had 12 future D1 kids on one roster at one time, which is, was just, just insane. And, and again, that kind of brings me back to why I wanted to have you to talk about, man, with that, I want to call it disparity in talent. I think some of the, the kids you had are really good players that, that may have gotten overlooked, but being able to compete and not even just compete to be super successful against those over other all programs. You know, my first question is, how did you do it? <laughs> well, first of all, we have really good players. I get hitting on that. The, Division one, they they recruit based on what they think potential at that level, not necessarily how good players are at the high school level. So it's, they recruit more based on potential than production. And you know, obviously, the success that has come through this program has been player based. I've had really good players, really good players, and, and great kids. And that combination has worked really well for us. So it starts with the players. You know, I wouldn't trade my players for anybody, for anybody else's players. So it starts and ends there. But I also have great assistant coaches. I have people that I can really rely on and depend on that have done an excellent job. And you know, many of them have been with me the entire time I've been here at Bennett. So, you know, being you know, the leader of the program has been relatively easy with the, with the type of people I deal with on a daily basis. So... When you get high character people that work as hard as our guys do, uh, oftentimes you can have some success. And uh, I've been really fortunate to, to be dealing with these type of kids and obviously the coaches that I have on my staff. Yeah, no, with, without a doubt. And they, there are some really got to know some of the kids over the year, really good kids enjoyed, you know, like I said, the, the entire program, but uh, you know, still even at an individual basis, right? Is this kind of like the, the sum is but more than the, the individual parts? <laughs> well, I think that's the beauty of basketball, you know, not to speak to other sports, but basketball is one of those sports where the sum of the parts it may be more important than the individual talent. People buy into their roles and it all come together. There's a lot of sacrifice involved and unselfishness involved. But when you see those things and your kids have those attributes, you have a chance to be really good. You add talent to unselfishness and commitment. You know, that's a, a pretty successful formula. Yeah. So with, with that being said, I mean, going back, maybe the, the early portion of your career, how did you develop kind of that, that mindset, right? Or your approach? And I'm like, how am I going to build a program, you know, within with Bennett and the stop that you had before that? Where did your approach come from? Because we don't, we honestly don't see it as often <laughs> anymore, right? Uh, you know, I, this, I'm entering my 29th year, so I've had a, a lot of uh, experience. And I was an assistant coach for 12 years before I became a head coach. So all the experiences at the three different schools that I've been at have really you know, helped shape my philosophy. When I came to the Bennett, I was fortunate to have some really good players here. And, and those guys really took it and ran with it. I, you know, their approach to the culture and, and their work ethic and their commitment, they really wanted to be good and they really wanted to succeed. And through my experience here, you know, that, that set the table for the, the following years. Now, Bennett's had excellence in basketball, has a tradition of excellence in basketball for going on 50 years now. So to be the, the coach at Bennett is quite an honor and a privilege. And, and I think the thing that's most important to me is, is to try to maintain the culture, you know, that we hopefully do things uh, as well as we can to try to do them the right way. And if you do things the right way, oftentimes that'll take you where you, where you want to be. 
Yeah, I know that makes sense. And maybe you could touch on a little bit what your your philosophy is. You don't have to give away the secret sauce, but <laughs> just a, a curious I, I what wish, your approach is. I wish there was a secret sauce. <laughs> approach is really simple. Like I, we try to live in the moment as much as possible. You know, I always want to have a five-year plan as to where I envision our program to be, but I don't think you get to where you want to be if you don't invest everything you have into the present. And that's kind of the approach I've taken with every team. You know, every year you get a team, you want to try to get the most out of the team, but you also realize that that's their one experience at, at high school athletics at this level. And, and we want to give them the best experience that we possibly can. So whether it's a summer league game, whether it's a weightlifting session, whether it's skill development, you know, we invest everything we have into what we're doing. And I don't really set a lot of long range goals. We have standards that we try to live up to. And we want to do things as well as we can on a daily basis. And if you do that enough, I think oftentimes you'll find the success that you're looking for when you have the type of kids that I'm fortunate to coach. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So if you're approaching this season, is it just the, the, the same approach? Is it about execution? Is it about fundamentals? Where to, How do you kind of balance the, you know, I guess maybe just take a step back. What is your approach? Let's, let's kind of talk about heading into a season. Where is the focus? Do you mold the system around the players? Are you looking at players into the system or, or some combination of the two? Maybe a combination of the two, but more the system around the players. You know, every year it changes based on the, the personnel and the talent that you have. So you want to do what you can to be most successful. So schematically, it, it might change a little bit year to year based on your personnel. Like when we had, we had some really good post players, Frank Kaminsky and Sean O'Mara, some names that people might know if they you know, follow basketball. And, and we were, we played more of what we call four out one in system, which is, a you know, with a post player inside. There's been other years that we play with uh, five perimeter players. One year we made it to the state championship game in 2016 and we'd have anybody bigger than six, three. So the sch- schematic approach might change from year to year, but the intangibles never change. And that's work ethic, commitments, culture, the things that we, we value most importantly, most importantly in our program, if we think we're, we're going to, try to get the most out of each team. So, you know, X and O wise that changes year to year, but as far as the characteristics that I hope define our program, I hope that those are consistent. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense. And so if you think about, cause if you look at the, the entire program, the four years, you got kids right from 15 to 18 on average, and it's really hard to get them to, or anybody at any age to right to buy into a system to make a commitment to to the details and from the outside in it looks like that is one of the cornerstones of the program is is getting these kids bought into the system so maybe just touch on on how maybe that's evolved over the past few years or it's something that's been kind of consistent throughout your coaching career well i think it's a lot of it has to do with having unselfish kids that's probably the thing that we emphasize the most and we talk about sacrifice on a regular basis that we're probably, none of us are probably going to get everything that we want, but if we're willing to play for each other, and that's kind of what I emphasize is that, you know, this is a team sport and they're playing for each other. And oftentimes they have to take a little bit less than maybe what they would want in order to, to be successful. Uh, but it's really rewarding when you get, when you achieve that success. And I think that the kids that come through our program have seen that from the kids that have proceeded that, you know, to the point where, they feel like there's a formula there that if they follow that, they could be successful. So it's again, it's reemphasizing a culture that was established by other players long ago and, and getting our kids to buy in and, and understanding that if they buy in and you know if they really care about each other and invest in each other, that they have a chance to 
achieve great things. And there's a real belief in that. You know, I think that's part of it is sometimes people talk about these things, but, you know, we invest and we believe in it. We believe that we want to compete against the best programs that we can in the state. And that's part of what our kids are drawn to uh, with the utmost respect for those programs. But, you know, that's part of what they want is they want to go to the best tournaments. They want to play the best schedule. And you know, that's part of, uh, you know, the, how would you say that, you know, really wanting to achieve at a high level and, and, you know, the schedule and the commitment and the things that, you know, it's not hard to get kids motivated in June when they know they're going to go to the Pontiac tournament at Christmas time. You know, so these are great opportunities through lifetime experiences and the kids are willing to give, give up a little bit in order to, you know, uh, sacrifice for each other and, and hopefully achieve the success that they're, they're all uh, trying to attain. Yeah. And again, looking from the outside. So I'm curious if a big believer in the process, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Because it looks like, and the one thing your team year after year, I mean, they look, look the same or they play, let me take that back. They, they play the same, right? It seems like it starts on the defensive end. If you don't play defense, you're not going to get as much playing time, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is, well, is that it's, fair? That's spot on. You know, our, our defense is the backbone of our, of our program. And we're not going to have a chance to compete against those great programs that I was talking about before if we don't defend. So defense is, it has to be a constant. Uh, we have to play great team defense. And in order to have a chance in those, some of the, the games to achieve some of the things that we talked about before, you know, that defense is the, is the backbone. No, no question about that. And that is buy-in. You know, that, that is something that has a lot to do with heart and intelligence. You know, obviously athleticism is going to help you become a better defensive player but you can overcome some things defensively with toughness and heart and intelligence, high basketball IQ. So that's something that, you know, it's definitely got to be the backbone of, of what we do. Um, and then offensively, it changes year to year based on how much scoring potential that we have. You know, we, we want to play an up-tempo style. Sometimes our scores are a little bit lower and people think that's because we're more deliberate offensively, but that's really not our plan at all. Sometimes our defense, what we call tempos the game, and that creates lower scores because sometimes teams have difficulty scoring against us. And that's really the goal. So I don't want to get too far off into the basketball X and O's, but you're, you're spot on with defense. And that, and that is a, a personal characteristic or attribute. you got to care about it. And you've got to work at it. And, and our kids have done a pretty good job at that. They're lucky that way. Yeah. And I think even just talking about the, the defensive end, you're right, because in Illinois, we don't have the shot clock in high school basketball yet. Right. Try not to get too far into the basketball. But the, the word, right, well, how would Bennett do in a shot clock era because of how methodical the offense is? And I would argue that the defense is or your opponents are going to struggle much more because they take a whole lot longer trying to find a shot versus your defense versus your guys on offense trying to find that that first open look. So I, I never bought into that argument. Right. I agree completely. It's a, it's a major misconception that somehow the shot clock is going to affect us negatively or adversely. And we, and it's not going to at all. It actually will play into our hands. So I, I'm, if it comes around and it looks like it will be coming around soon, I don't think it'll change anything that we do. Yeah, that'll be an interesting time. Maybe that's a discussion for another time. Sure, but, uh, yeah, and, and so then maybe touch on to the the process side of this, right? Because I'm a huge believer, whether in life, business, sports, right? It's, it's all about the execution. The teams that are prepared and execute are going to perform against maybe, again, we've talked about the talent, but other teams that may have more talent, but that don't pay attention to the details, Right. Well, absolutely. I, we are a detail-oriented program. And we, we, when we prepare for each game individually, we'll spend minimally two days on each game, two to three days. And 
you know, go through our opponent's game plan, what they what they look to do, what their set plays would be, and their base and out of bounds plays. You know, I think detail is is a huge component of our of our program. And and you know, you can have the greatest plan in the world, but if the kids don't execute, if your people don't execute the plan. So in my opinion, the execution of the plan is more important than the plan itself. There are a lot of people that have great plans, but you have to find a way to bridge that gap and make sure that when the game comes around that our kids are able to go out and execute the things that that we want to do. And you know, I've been lucky that way that our kids take the detail and they go, they're able to apply it. So there's definitely a process when it comes to game to game with attention to detail, but we want to be detail-oriented year-round, whether we're in a summer game, whether we're in an off-season workout, attention to detail is something that's, you know, we need that in order to, to have a chance to compete with the, the best programs. And we're hoping that maybe that's something that might separate us from others if we do it well. So the process is, is absolutely the most important part. The execution of, you know, is the carrying out of the actual plan is really what, what, what brings about the success. Yeah. And I think that that's such good life lessons too, right? As I kind of a touch that I don't think we teach or coach enough of that in, in the workplace or in life in general. So, I mean, that's just a life skill that you pay attention to the detail, focus on execution. You have a really good chance of being successful in kind of anything that you do. So, yeah, I think that's appreciated. It's probably skills in a, that the kids probably don't appreciate it at the time, but looking back, I bet you they, they come to appreciate it. Right. It's, it, it, sometimes it can be a grind, but they do come to appreciate it. And just like anything else, if they see the reward at the end of it, they're, they're much more inclined to want to do it. And then when, they, when you don't do it, they're wondering if you, if you cut back your approach, they wonder why you're not doing what you normally do. And they want that because they know that it may give them an advantage or it may help them when it's time to come out and play. So I, absolutely, the, you know, it, could be, it could be a little bit of a grind, but it's, it's an absolute necessity. And, and when they see the reward, they're they're very willing to buy into it. Yeah. And perfect kind of segue into the, to the buy-in question, right? We talked a little bit about success and how other teams have accomplished that and you get that to buy in, but what's, what's kind of your approach or how do you deal when you have some adversity or, you know, I think back to that, the one state runner up team that you had, I think you were what 11 and seven, you know, into January of that season, but ended up winning almost 30 games if I recall. Right. So how do you approach that from a leadership standpoint when you do have these small letdowns or, or bigger adversities that come up? I just made up that word, but yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm no, saying? It, right, absolutely. There, you know, that was a tough year for us. At one point, we were 11 and 7. We played a very challenging schedule, but it's one thing to play a challenging schedule, and it's another thing to actually beat some of the teams that are really good on your schedule. And, and obviously, that wasn't happening at the rate that we would have liked. And I think our leadership of our seniors that really or you really helped turn the corner. You have to keep it together when you face a little bit of adversity and you have to keep your eye on what you're aiming for. Our, our long range hopes are, you know, I say goals, even though we really don't set goals, but the idea that we could play with anybody that year, I think was still something that we very much believed in, but it wasn't happening at the rate that we were hoping for at that time. And there was a major turnaround at the end. And we went on and won. I can't remember exactly how many games. We went on a nice run, and uh, the game, that season ended in the state championship game when we lost by two points to a great Whitney Young team. But I think the you know, keeping focused and, and also keeping our composure, when things can start to splinter apart, especially when you're dealing with teenage kids or people start to point fingers or blame others, and keeping that together, and again, coming back to the idea of commitment to each other, sacrifice, unselfishness, you know, the old adage, you win together and you lose together. And it's the truth in life in general. And, you know, as 
we were suffering some disappointments. We, we tried to keep it together as much as possible. And that year was very rewarding because of the struggles. And we wouldn't have been in that position at the end of the year if we didn't overcome those struggles. So it was one of those things where I was really proud of our guys that year because it could have gone the other way and they fought through it. And by the end of the year, they were playing great basketball and basically we were playing with just about anybody in the state. Yeah, no, that was, that was a really a, a fun year. And yeah, you know, it kind of, the, the follow-up question to that, I guess, is right. If you've, it kind of sounds like you're instilling the leadership into in this case, students, but if I think about it from a startup and a team or even a team within an organization, right, you really need to get the team to, to kind of buy in and take ownership of that direction. How, I know you've had some success in previous years, but how do you coach that or teach that or develop that with, within a team? Is it just part of the process? I'm curious. Well, that's a great point. And honestly, I was, as you were asking, I was, I was thinking about our best teams kind of to an extent, coached themselves down the stretch of the season because everything was in place and it was just a question of, of putting a game plan together for me and them going out and taking the, the details and executing it. But I never had to coach effort. I never had to coach unselfishness. I never had to coach the intangible things that those, those, the kids brought that out of, out of themselves. And our leadership was so strong that, you know, you can take a step back and really enjoy the process when you get in, those, in, in, in that type of situation. But I definitely think those are, are attributes that are developed not only through the course of the season, but throughout throughout their time in the program. They learn from the older players. They, you know, they, they see the examples that are set. Now I could mention some names. We had some great leaders come through our program, and and you know the, the imprint of those leaders, you know, is passed down from year to year. And it's important to our guys to keep the culture where it was, and, and that's probably the most important thing to them. But as far as down the stretch of the successful teams, uh, the leadership within our locker room of our players, I honestly, I say to our, our kids all the time, is our, our best teams are when I coach the least. That's because there's so much self-ownership of, of the process. And, you know, they, they look forward to the, to the game plans. They look forward to the practices and they want to go out and they want to achieve at a high level. So, you know, I'm not sure if I necessarily hit on exactly what you where you get, you know, what, what you were asking about, but it is something that, I think is player driven that you, my job is to steer the culture and make sure that it, it stays intact. And their job is to go ahead and, and, and keep it going, you know, hand it down from one team to the next. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and you did ask, answer the question because I think about it from even a business standpoint or a, a startup standpoint and a lot of founders or CEOs, right, kind of dictate what the, the process is going to look like and teams don't develop their own ability to, I don't want to say function because they can function, but maybe not make the right decisions where you're kind of empowering the team to take ownership, take responsibility, control the destiny versus, right, we see it all often in the business side that everything's got to go through the CEO or the, the owner or the founder. And those tend to not be the most high performing teams because they're always waiting for direction, right? Or they're always waiting for what's next versus just going out and, and doing their job. And I, I try to empower our kids as much as possible throughout the entire process throughout the year, whether it's a weightlifting plan, whether it's, you know, their workouts in the off season, you have to give them a say and a voice in it if you want them to achieve at a high level. So at the end of the day, I'm responsible for it, but I, I take a tremendous amount of input from our, our leaders in our program, see what they like and what, what works for them and what they don't like and try to make it all work. 
Yeah, that makes sense. So let's let's flip it around you a little bit where things have been really good and the team is bought in and you know the the leaders you know self-leadership, but I'm sure you've had some kids and we definitely won't name any names, but I'm sure there, there over the years there's been some times where a couple of kids haven't necessarily bought in. And how do you approach that? Because I think that's a perfect kind of analogy for business, right? You may have an employee that's not bought into what the system is and could be, I don't want to say danger to the other kids, but it could dilute, right? Some of what the rest of the team is doing. How do you approach that? Well, two, two things come, come to mind. Number one, direct communication. I think you always have to speak with the player. You have to have a relationship with the player and find out where the player is coming from. And you, know, you have to listen. You know, I think oftentimes as coaches or adults, it's our way is the only way, you know, but you, you also have to understand where your players are coming from, where your people are coming from. So they have a, an issue, you know, taking the time to sit down with them and, and listen to what they have to say. I, my door is always open for any of our, our players. I always tell them that you're going to hear both sides, though, and I'm going to tell you where I'm coming from. And oftentimes people think by coming to see you, it just means there's going to be change. Sometimes there, there's change, but oftentimes just, or it's just a better understanding of where both sides are coming from. So I think communication is the key when you're dealing with 15 to 18 year olds, like you mentioned before, you know, direct communication where you try to take out the gray area is important. And I also think, you know, peers are uh, important. It's not something we discuss, but, you know, somebody is not doing what they're supposed to do and you have a culture that's strong, their teammates, you know, are going to work behind the scenes, not through any direction of the coaching staff, but they don't want the, the culture to be brought down by one individual or two individuals that may may not be willing to sacrifice or may not see it the way that everybody else sees it. So I think that there's you know the two the two ways that generally gets worked out for us is I try to speak with you know, with the player directly and also you know their their friends and their teammates will talk with them as well because at the end of the day they all want to be pulling for the same thing and that's the success of the, of the team. Yeah, that's that's great. And I do th- right. It points back to the culture of the program. You've built it, you've instilled it, right? And it's other people now want to to want to uphold it. It's hard to get to that point where you've created it, but then maintaining it may become less of a challenge. But I mean, again, it's the hard work up front to kind of build that culture. I'm just kind of curious. I want to be respectful of your time, but I do have a, a couple more questions. One being, right, you've you said 29 years and kind of focused on the last 12, 13. Man, what, what's changed or how have you grown or what, what have you kind of changed in, in your approach, let's say in the last five to 10 years? As I get more experienced, I certainly, I've always felt like I'm a player-centered coach. Like I, I listen to my players. You know, at the end of the day, I'm responsible. And I think they know that. They know that, you know, technically I'm in charge, but I want them to be comfortable. I want them to have input. And, you know, I, I want to listen to them as to what they think is going to be best for them. I, as I get older, I, I realize more and more that this is their one experience at, at high school athletics and that it may not be, you know, it may not be what they want it to be all the time. Like I, I'll keep large teams. I've had 18 to 22 people on a high school basketball team, and that's probably as large as anybody around in the area, but they all have to be willing to, to buy in, as we talked about before, and also basically play for each other and, and be accepting of maybe where their role is. Uh, and as I've, I've gotten older and, and more experienced, I realized whether you're the 18th player or you're the best player on the team, that, that what you, you have to bring value to the program. You have to bring my expectations as far as commitment to the program don't change based on their role in the program as far as playing time or as far as you know, position on the team is that everybody 
everybody needs to be valued. I think I've always tried to do that, but it's become even more you know, priority for me that everybody has to buy in. But that, that experience of the 17th player on the team is an important experience and, and there's value to that. If not, we wouldn't keep somebody on our team if there wasn't a value to what they brought to the organization or the program. So just, just having a bigger, bigger picture perspective of you know, not only about, you know, it's really never really been about winning games. I hope the, the winning might be a, a byproduct of the kids really buying into each other. And, and I, I've never really started coaching because I had some great desire to win a state championship. I, I love what I do. I love being around the, you know, the kids. I love to see things work well. You know, I, I love to see kids buy in all those intangibles that we're talking about on selfishness and sacrifice. It's really rewarding to see kids carry that out and, and have success. I've never really had a long-term goal or vision in regard to, I, you know, I have to, we have to achieve this measure of success. It's, it's kind of accumulated by just worrying about the present day, worrying about trying to get the most out of each team and each individual. And we've been really fortunate to have a chance to play in just about every game you can play. And we haven't won them all, but we played in, like as you mentioned before, a couple of state championship games and some really high-profile tournament championship games. But I think that comes to really valuing the role of everybody and kind of living in the moment, you know, worrying about, I always have a long-term vision as far as, you know, what I, what I, where I want to see our program in five years, but I also, I, I don't get too far outside of the moment. I'm worried about trying to have the best shoot around that we can have that day or the best weightlifting session or the best summer league game that we can have at that point. And I think that, you know, when your expectations are the same as you go through the process, that that leads to, you know, if the kids execute the way they're capable of that leads to some success. And I've been really lucky to have the players that I've had. Yeah, I love that. And, and like I said, I'm a big believer in, in the process and I forget it, who was the, the coach I heard it from, but, you know, love the process and eventually the process will love you back, right? Focus on what you can control and then the outcomes will, will follow. And if you're too focused on the outcome and don't pay attention to the details where you tend to get, get tripped up. So I think that's, that's really good advice. And I just want to hit one more follow-up question before I get to my last question, which is on expectation setting, right? Is that uh, obviously you have that. I'm just kind of curious, is that a beginning of the season, you sit down with each of the players, the team, and Hey, here's the expectations of the program. Just kind of curious to hear more specifically how, how you approach that. Well, the expectations are some of the intangibles that I, I mentioned before. You know, I, I don't have to worry about our kids being on time. I don't have to worry about how hard they're going to work. I don't have to, you know, I, there, there are times they, they take care of things on their own. And I think that that's, I think that's part of the culture that was established before. So our expectations are more about the process. Again, I guess maybe I'm just following up on what, what we just talked about. I don't have expectations in the amount in a number of games that we need to win or, you know, what tournaments we need to win or, do we have a chance to win the conference? Uh, like I said, I know maybe this is short-sighted, but you know, I just worry about present. And I think if you do that enough, then you get a chance to achieve some of those things. So we don't sit down with a goal board. We don't talk about if you guys do everything you can, maybe you have a chance to make it downstate or maybe you have a chance to win the conference. Instead, we talk about being ready for that day and doing everything that we possibly can. That doesn't mean that we don't talk talk about, and we do talk about this amongst ourselves, is that feel like we can compete with anybody when we do things the right way. We also know that we can lose to anybody if we don't do things the right way. So our, our team might be a little unique that way. Our program is, we're not just going to go out and overpower people. We have to perform. We have to compete. But we also feel, and, and again, with all due respect, because you know, I'm talking about some great, great programs, you know, everybody should feel that way about their program, that if they do things the right way, that they have a chance to go out and they want to compete against the best. 
So we, we respect all of our opponents. We know that we have to play every time we step on the floor. But as far as long-term expectations, the expect, expectations are more about the process and how we approach it than any type of uh, tangible reward in regard to number of wins or you know, conference championships or making it downstate, things like that. You know, we, we worry about that as they come as they, they, they actually come about during the course of the season. If we're not in a position, if you set the goal to win a conference championship and, and you're not in a position to do that, you know, what, what does that mean? Is it the season's a failure? You still have to move forward and you have to work at getting better and improving the, your team and your product every, every day. So we stay in the moment. I know maybe that's, like I said, short-sighted, but it, it's kind of how we've done it over the, the course of the last 13 years. And it's worked. And I, I don't think it's short-sighted. And I think, you know, too often leaders take that approach as more cliche, right? We take it one day at a time, one game at a time, but they don't reinforce or instill that that approach to the to the process. So like I said, I'm at, at, at heart, I'm a process guy. So I love that. I love the culture aspect of it and just setting the right tone. And you're right, the outcomes will come. You know, it's hard to, to change that. But if you do all the right things, you're going to give yourself the the best chance of success. Uh, absolutely. I, you know, I've, I've been really lucky that kids have bought into that process and, and I've been fortunate to be a part of some really great teams. Yeah. All right. So I got to ask you before I get to my one final question is how's the squad look this year? Well, I'm always, always excited about our group. You know, we, we lost four starters from last year, but I like our, our next year senior class and we have some, some good young teams. So, you know, this is part of the, the fun of the process is trying to make it all work, trying to merge it all together to see who's going to compete and emerge and, and how we're going to, how we're going to look come March. You know, this summer was a successful summer, but there's so much work to do and there's a lot of depth on our team. So we, we may not have the, the uh, you know, one player that we rely on to score. We have multiple players that can score and multiple players that can defend. So it's, it, it could be another exciting team with the sum of its parts like we talked earlier. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting these guys on the floor in November. Yeah, that'll be fun. It'll be good to have a full basketball season again, yeah, right? Post-pandemic. Absolutely. Fingers crossed that it, it goes that way. One, one last question. I, I know I keep telling you one last question, but just, just along those lines with expectations and the motivation, right? With all the success that, that Bennett's had over the, the past decade plus, or even going back to the, the 80s, right? It seems like every year there's no love for Bennett and like, you know, but yet at the end of the season, you're always there. Do you use that as motivation at the beginning of the year or is you just, is that outside noise that you don't pay attention to? Uh, I, I try to stay away from it because preseason predictions are just that. Nobody really knows. Those are based primarily on who's coming back from the previous year who had a good summer and because we change parts so often we, we graduate we've, we've had a lot of seniors that have played for us through the course of the 13 years is a lot of our players are somewhat unknown you know to the people that make those type of predictions um, I think it works two ways I think it works you know it could work as a motivating factor like you mentioned it also could work the other way sometimes because they put the Bennett uniform on they're expected to be at a certain level True. without without people even knowing you know what what we have on the team so I, I try to stay clear of it. And, you know, we, we want to progress. We want to move forward, you know, as we go through the season. And, and those things start to merge. If you ever took a preseason ranking and looked at the end of the season, oftentimes, rarely do they align. You know, there's, there's things that happen through the course of the season and teams emerge. Our, the team that won the most games in school history was in the, barely in the top 50. Uh, I think in 2016, we, we lost in the state championship game. We won 31 games that year. And there were a lot of unknown kids at that time. And we won 31 games and we're a half away from winning the state championship. So 
you can't pay too too close attention to what expectations are before we actually step on the floor. That's such a good point. Such a good point. All right. So my last question that I ask all my guests is what is one thing coach that you would highly recommend? And it could be personal, professional, something that's top of mind for you right now. Well, I think for me personally, it's, it's trying to keep balanced. I think, you know, with, I'm a full-time teacher and obviously coaching is a full-time job, even on this level, you know, making sure that I keep my priorities intact and that I balance in my life, particularly with my family. And I have two, two children that are in college now. And you know, my wife is very active. She's a very successful, you know, college softball coach. And, you know, there's times where I'm away from basketball, but I'm really never away from basketball or school. You know, there's times where sometimes I can overdo it. And I think keeping focus on, on priorities and balance is really important as I get older. And I think that that's something that I think I would emphasize is, is that, you know, I'm always thinking about, especially after a tough loss or, now, something didn't go your way, you can be consumed by it. And I think as I've gotten older, I've, I've done a better job of balancing that, but I still have a long ways to go. So I, I just think no matter what you're involved in, you know, keeping the balance between family and, and, and work and, and you know, everything else is really important. And I think it oftentimes scales can be tipped in favor of you know, work or your profession you know, at the expense of family. And, and I, it's something I'm working on, I have to get better with, but uh, I think it's uh, really, really important. I think that's such good advice. And I'm doing the same thing, trying. The one thing with the pandemic, I think it helped us maybe balance a little better than we were in the past and taught us that it is possible to do that. So I'm always looking for the uh, that glass is half full side of things, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's a great process. When you love what you do, you're, you you can be consumed by it. And that's I think that's a, a great thing. I love teaching and I love, I love coaching. So I couldn't ask for any more through the, the course of the last 29 years. It's, it's been a great run. That's fantastic. Well, coach, again, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. I think we've got a lot of valuable lessons that uh, our founders and business owners can think about and, and apply. And it's not just about having the best product, man. You got you to build the team around it and, and get them to perform. So I thank you again for the time and, and best of luck with the upcoming season. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Take care. 